Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of We the Arsenal with your hosts, as always, Adam Esker and Johnny Fieldhouse. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everyone. It is a pleasure to welcome you back to We the Arsenal for episode 23. You know, you really tend to cover all parts of the day, but I I can just add happy dawn and happy dusk. Excellent. And uh, I'll add to that and happy brunch as well. (laughs) Happy brunch with your mimosas. And all the other jazz. Absolutely. Well, it's been an interesting week. I guess we had that loss to Stoke, which is unfortunate, but we kind of got to move on from that. Uh, we also had that little solar eclipse and on Monday, which was nice. My favorite part about the whole thing was seeing how people uh, in downtown Toronto were just handing off the glasses so everyone can take a gander at what was happening. That's very cool. You don't really see that too often in, in big cities. So uh, shout out to whoever was handing out the uh, sunglasses, or not sunglasses, the eclipse glasses. Well done. I wish I had a pair because I was just stuck in front of my monitor watching it. Ah, well, I mean, uh, it's good to just be a part of that moment in time, but to move on to all things Arsenal, well, yes, as we did just mention, lost to Stoke. A lot of people know of what was what that was all about, but we got one more week in the transfer window, and of course, by the time you're listening to this on Friday, well, we're, we might know who we're drawing in the Europa League, so we're going to take a quick break and get into it after this. So, again, I really don't want to be prodding at the dead animal, but Stoke away 1-0, 3-6-5 Sport Arena, whatever they called it now. Bet 3-6-5. Bet 3-6-5. It's never been a happy hunting ground. Last season, we took a great win there, uh, first time since Ramsey broke his leg. But Yeah, five years ago. It was was a bad day at the office, and I just don't like it. It's very odd to see our home and away record against Stoke at home. We've pretty much won almost every single game since that uh, aforementioned match. And we had a bit of an unlucky match. There were two key points that I would say really defined the the outcome on Arsenal's end. And that was the non-call penalty for Hector Barron and the offside goal with Lacazette. I feel a little aggrieved of one over two. Um, The first, Bellerin, I feel like that should have been a penalty the way the contact happened much after the ball was out of uh, Barron's feet. Really spoke to me as in it should have been a call. However, the Lacazette goal, as brilliant as his finish was, kind of was a tiny tiny bit off you think so like i think those are things that just sometimes don't get called and i mean we were really lucky because mesut ozil had a handball against lester uh i think the problems don't i mean it was a call i don't think it was offside but in any other day it could go a different way and it's one of those i wouldn't even say 50 50 type of calls uh you look at the the replay and it kind of looked like a, honestly a little bit of his toe yeah, was outside yeah and and you can argue will a little shade of someone's toe really impede the the keeper's position or his vision or anything that makes up the offside goal so it was a little unfair but I feel that was a little less egregious than the non-call and Baron I think the 
problems stemmed from the team selection on the day. It was, that was atrocious. Very strange, and I think Arsene Wenger just really, he's concerning me with that. I know it's the, only the second game of the season, but it's a little annoying when you're seeing the likes of Man United trailblazing through those first two games. I, I don't, whatever the opposition may be. And I think officially Zlatan's coming back for he the season. He's going to be wearing the number Zlatan. 10. Yeah, <laughs> I mean. Congratulations to all the United fans out there. You're going to have one more year of one of the most charismatic players in world football. Yeah, he really is a character. And I just think it's going to be interesting to see what Mourinho decides to push for. Out of all the English teams in the Champions League, I, I think Man United have the best chance of progressing the farthest. Probably. You look at all the teams and the draw for those who didn't know where they, uh, the groups were selected earlier today. You look at a lot of the English clubs. Ugh. You look at uh, Tottenham with uh, that draw. <laughs> Good grief. Those guys. Well, Wembley will be a very interesting place when Madrid go there. Let's see if they can sell out Wembley with uh, Madrid coming. Well, who you knows? know, I saw an advert that they're selling tickets for 20, 20 pounds. pounds. Yeah, that's kind of intriguing, but I think Dortmund, that'll be an interesting match, more on their level in a way, uh, depending on how they do, and of course Applewell, but whatever, it's Tottenham. I think Chelsea have a, an interesting group as well with Atletico Madrid, that'll be in- interesting seeing how things fare with, of course, Diego Costa. The saga, exactly. Yeah, and of course Arsenal uh, not being not in the Champions present. League for the first time, <laughs> and I, I think it's fine because we're not ready to challenge on that level. No, this for everyone, I think, is a transition year. Everyone knows that it's a transition year, and it was a little heartbreaking, I got to say, to not see us in that in that little fishbowl getting picked out of the uh, out of the lot there. However, um, it is what it is. We have Europa League to focus on, and by the time you listen here on Friday, we may already know who our opponents are. So, moving on from the Champions League, we're not in it. Uh, the English clubs, yeah, they've got a chance. Man United, of course, has a, a pretty easy group, which is also United. And I am really excited, actually, to see who we will draw in the Europa League. Well, out of there are 48 teams in this in the group stages, so I don't think it's necessary to go through everything. I think you should name every single team. Oh, yeah, it. sure. I'll, I'll struggle <laughs> once it gets to pot four. But out of the first group, I'll tell you who I'm glad that we won't be facing. Uh, Zenit St. Petersburg. I'm glad we won't have them. AC Milan, Lazio. Ooh, yeah. Um, I, those are the top Milan, three teams. for me, absolutely. You look at their signings that they did this offseason, mm-hmm. I think they look like a team who will be challenging for the Europa League. They're looking to reestablish themselves as a European power. And I see this tournament as one of their stepping stones to get back at the uh, top of the Serie A. I'm open to be proven wrong, but I don't agree. I think they're too fresh. They won't have enough time to gel. I think they're a club that are still needing that time. There's a lot of good vibes at Milan right now. This could just be the starting of it, right? This could be the starting of something special over there in Milan. Yeah. Uh, Depending, I think Bonucci was their best signing. What a signing, He's the player that wants to, he can pull that team together when they need to. Imagine Bonucci in Arsenal colors. Yeah, I mean, when was the last time we saw an Italian defender at Arsenal? Ooh. When yeah. was the last time we saw an Italian player at Arsenal? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Our ties don't run too deep in no. that end. Well, we had one player by the name of Giovinco. 
He was tied to Arsenal many times. Actually, yeah, he was at the TFC game yesterday, and they beat uh, Philadelphia Union 3-0. Yeah, you Reds are on the roll, just dominating yes. the MLS right now. Uh, but to move on, I think uh, what's intriguing, I'm just going to go over the other pots. We, the only other English club in Europa is Everton. Everton. And you know what, man? I think think I'd like to see Everton do well. Like we should win it, but imagine if we end up playing Everton in like in the a semi or stages. something. That would be a very good tie, but honestly, Arsenal, this is a season for Arsenal to prove that I mean, it's not that they're better than the Europa League, but they're good enough to be a team to play in the Champions League. Well, uh considering how the league is shaping up, how competitive it may be, this could be our best chance at getting back in the Champions League. As yeah, that is that is yeah. to say. And I just depend. It depends who wants to see that as the option at not on our level, but I'm talking about at the club. The in, in pot two, the clubs that seem to really stick out for me. Uh, well, interestingly enough, Marseille was one name that jumped out for yeah, me. Yeah, uh, Ludo Goretz are in that group. We have, uh, of course, Everton, uh, but we won't face against them. The teams that I think are intriguing are Real Sociedad, uh, Lokomotiv Moscow, uh, Nice, and Marseille. I'd be intrigued about that. Yeah, um, potential Arsenal target uh, Jean-Michel Seri uh, is playing on Nice. Yeah, and he ain't coming to Arsenal. He's not. Neither is uh, Lamar. Thomas Lamar. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I also I would be concerned if we faced off against Maccabi Tel Aviv because of just the distance. The distance, and that has been one of the common themes when a lot of pundits and Arsenal watchers alike were talking about the Europa League. It's how are we going to fare on these extremely long European jaunts when you're going to far out places that are uh, well, well far than the um, average comfort level than your Premier League player. I, I don't know offhand what the furthest trip is in the Premier League, but it sure isn't <laughs> comparable to what we're going to face in the Europa League. Yeah, it seems like Israel and and Russia would just be very challenging. And there are a couple of Russian teams out there. There's uh, former Soviet Union uh, members in there as well, and there could be some fun away trips though for all the away fans. I I think this could be an exciting change from you know the the same old same old uh, trips to Barcelona or or Germany. Well, uh, even though those would yeah, be great, yeah, yeah. Uh, this would come be like a, a bit of fresh air to the away support it reminds me of when we faced off against partisan belgrade a few years ago and that that stadium was haunting and we yeah. walked out of there 3-1 winners our shavin i remember scored a great goal in that one and i remember the feeling of being daunted by just watching the game on tv and what it'd be like to be an arsenal player at that stadium i'd be curious to see what it'd be like to face off against bate borisov i was thinking about the Bates. yeah um <laughs> so it will be very interesting and then in pot three the teams that stick out oh man astana imagine going to kazakhstan Oh boy, that will be very far. That's a big, big, big distance. Yeah, that um, could be the furthest uh, team that we could potentially draw. And Hoffenheim, I know that they lost to Liverpool, Ooh, but they Serge have a Gnabry. very dun, Nagelman. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think Julian Nagelman. I believe that's his name. He's the coach. He's one of the youngest coaches in the Bundesliga. I think he's thirty-two. 
and he has led this team to something great. So TSG Hoffenheim would be a club I would look out for as well. And actually Rosenborg, and I'll tell you why, they beat Ajax today 3-2. Oh. They uh, won 4-2 on aggregate. They're a Norwegian club who I have played in the Champions League before. They, I remember they faced off against Chelsea, I think, in 07-08. That was actually Jose Mourinho's last uh, Champions League um, match with Chelsea before oh. he got sacked. And they drew 1-1, and Shevchenko scored. But anyways, um, Nicholas Bentner scored today. And Rosenborg, imagine if Nicholas Bentner plays at the Emirates again. Wow, the return. Yes, of the Lord. The Lord Bentner himself. Yeah. And I mean, there's this is start. This is when just the names get a little bit bizarre. We have, um, we have Zulte Warajem. I'm probably butchering this. In Bless my, you. Oh, guess the, and Partizan Belgrade are in there too. Look at that. Wow, how about yeah. this? I think you may have uh, cursed us to actually drop well, Partizan. Either. I'm calling it right now because of your story. We are going to get Partizan mm. from the from that mm. pot. That's a challenging one. Well, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. And it, if we do, everyone, you'll know by the time this is out. Yeah. And you can blame Adam. All right. Hashtag blame Adam. I like it. <laughs> All right. Well, pot four. We have. Uh, I have no clue what's going on with these clubs. Red Star Belgrade is the former only thing. great European team. Lot of yeah. history, but has fallen off the map. Yeah. And then there's FC Zlin. Never heard of them. Uh, Apollon Limassol. Bless you. <laughs> and this one's pretty interesting. Uh, Skander Bayou. Ooh. I apologize if those are any local teams for the listeners out there. My apologies. But that's where the traveling will get very interesting. And you'll know very much that you're in the Europa League. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be interesting. And I think we should do what we have to do to progress to the next stages of the Europa League. Um, And, uh, of course, play some young blood. Reese Nelson featured very well against the Man City under-23s. He did very well in that match. Of course, Jack Wilshere picking up a red. Yeah, I was just thinking about that about that match. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, to kind of talk about that uh, just very briefly, um, Wenger was broached that subject on the press conference earlier today, and he essentially gave the impression that the club will only offer him an extension if he can prove his health this season. Yeah, I think he was talking about uh, consistency. The consistency factor, he has which I can't that. I can't blame Wenger for doing that, but how can you even uh talk about that with Jack Wilshire? We know how injury plagued he is. I really don't see I know earlier in in the offseason, I was talking about how he could be one of those dynamic forces in the midfield uh, to take up a little bit of that creative power that we've lacked since Santi has. But what what is he now? He is not anywhere near the first team. He's not even on the bench. He's playing with the under-23s. Granted, he's probably getting back into fitness, mm-hmm. but how long will it be that he's going to be playing with the under-23s? Well, you know, it could be a case where just there's no other club that wants him. I know he was linked with Sampdoria and Swansea, but I just don't think they would have pushed the envelope enough to actually go and grab him. Yeah, and I think the problem is, like, with a lot of our players who are looking for other teams— their wages that they're on. Yeah, that's a big one, too. That's a big one, too. This is why Walcott's still at Arsenal, too. Yeah, well, there's reason why Kieran Gibbs is. Uh, the list goes on. Mm. Uh, Matthew Debushi. <laughs> 
Uh, I'm sure we'll get to that later on, yeah. but apologies for that uh, that aside. Um, so you look at Europa League, and I can see us playing a mixed bag, a mixed bag of guys going into the into the knockout stages where you have a group that are either younger players, such as Reese Nelson, or established veterans that are looking to get back into some playing role. Uh, you look at Kieran Gibbs, for instance. You look at a lot of the uh, quote-unquote want-away players. We only have one week left in this transfer period. So I really think whoever is left... It's kind of like Survivor. Whoever is left at the Arsenal on the bench will be playing in the Europa League. Yeah, it's a little annoying, though. It uh, is. I, I'm actually annoyed this week with the things that just the way the club's been managed right now. Or mismanaged, you could say. Yeah, it's uh, especially when it came to the decisions made on the pitch at Stoke. Per Murder Sacker was willing to play, and he gave an article or an interview last week in The Guardian. Uh, I think it was Stuart Taylor, Matthew Taylor was the one who wrote the article or interviewed Permitter Sacker. But Permitter Sacker was saying that he's fit and he's training his hardest week in, week out. I know he had the gash at Chelsea, didn't play against Leicester, but he was at Stoke, he traveled, and we didn't play properly. And I, I don't know if Arsene Wenger is going to be using Kolasinac as a central I really defender. hope not. Oh, I really what hope is not. going on? Like, he was a star of the German uh, league. He was their uh, best rated left back. He was the... Yeah, he was on the team of the season. Team of the season for and the we got Bundesliga. Him for free. And we got him for free. And it could be that we are just doing a patchwork kind of band-aid solution. Who knows if if Wenger really trusts Mertesacker. Um, he had a great performance when he came back during the FA Cup final, but we're not there during training. We don't know what is going on. Maybe Monreal and Kolasinac, they were great as a pair in, in training, working together. Um, it, was, it, it was way off balance. You look at Hector Bayerin being played on the left wing, what was that? It's like he's trying to to be like, okay, for the time being with Oxley Chamberlain, I'm going to play you every day because that's what you're demanding. And we can go into those quotes that he mentioned a little later, but it's like he's trying to fit both in. And that totally put the side in balance. You have our two left wing backs. Monreal and Kolasinac being played in central <laughs> defending positions. Why? Yeah. It's, it was a bad day at the office. I think I heard that uh, term being bandied about. And it's just not really ex excusable, really. It's not. It's inexcusable when you have, like you said, arrested murder sacker. Um, who knows where Rob Holding is right now? I Holding. think he's a little shorn of confidence. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised because he kind of hasn't had, I think he hasn't had leadership on the pitch much. And now there's talks of Mustafi being linked to Inter Which or something. Which is insane. And uh. earlier today in the press conference, Wenger, <laughs> he was broached that subject and he skirted around 
the the idea of transferring out Mustafi, which to me is in, inexcusable. No, the season's about to start. He's the one who complains about things not being s- sorted out earlier on. And now we're going to dilly-dally into the final week. And you look at our, our center backs. He is our most consistent center back right now. Well, when we have costs, injury plagues. Well, yeah. And last season, he was undefeated for several months. Well, not several months, but you know, I know that that was not to be over to, to be over exaggerated. I don't know but, if our listeners heard the rolling of my eyes on that. Yeah, yeah, they probably <laughs> did. But I mean, I was the one who rolled my eyes at that first. But yeah. you know, in terms of stats, I think uh, Mustafi was uh, he settled in very in, in a very interesting manner in the Premier League, and the he has stages. more. He still Absolutely. has a lot more to learn. But he's a guy who needs the time to establish himself and Get as comfortable. As, as Murder Sacker is going to be retiring next season, uh, or this season, and you also have Cristiano who's in- injury-prone, who's going to l- know how to stand up in the defense of Arsenal? Exactly. And I don't know if Wenger is comfortable with that formation. And speaking of comfort, who are you going to bring in first year that is comfortable to boss our team? You know, it takes a special type of leader to get into an already established club and assert their dominance as a leader. And you look at the transfer window right now, we've got about a week left. I don't see any player being mentioned on the transfer market that has those capabilities. No, and it's hard to def- buy defenders now. He's one of our most expensive signings. We signed him for 35, 35. million. 35. And where you, where you have guys going for 50 million this transfer window. Where are you going to get, A, a replacement for Mustafi, and B, two other guys to come in? Yeah. I think Castellani will be starting because he served his match ban uh, for his red card. Absolutely, but I don't want him playing every day. No, I don't, I don't think so, but I think that we need to have the option, the variety. I think that's what Mustafi, as a player, will be able to fulfill. And if we're going to stick with three at the back, you need to have three centrally minded defenders right I think Monreal playing there was a little bit off I don't know what Kolasinac why Kolasinac will be played in that body size that's the only I thing know, I'm but thinking he's of great. he has been great at, at bombing down the wing and he showed that of course in preseason but um, I think we should be Arson would be wise to be focusing on what is Deadwood and not what's going to impact the the harmony of the squad. But as you mentioned, we really don't know what is happening uh, in terms of the board level. I was just relieved to see Alexis Sanchez uh, playing or, well, training uh, recently to show that he's he's ready to come back. And, of course, there was a spat last season. Uh, I really didn't like that game. I think it was on the 4th of March uh, we faced against Liverpool. And we were talking, of course, on that episode just prior to that. I'm hoping for that match to be the, you know, Arsenal's ability to show that they can come back. And we've seen that in the past. And we kind of bottled it a little bit, um, especially at the end, trying to throw things out there. And of course, Wijnaldum ended up really nailing the hammer for the 3 1 win to Liverpool. That's really, it's going to be a tough game. I know Liverpool have their own problems, but they're starting to find momentum. They haven't. Uh, they haven't lost. I think they have a... Well, no, they drew 3-3 against Watford. And then they won 1-0, uh, I think, against Crystal Palace. And they've just had their Champions League qualifying uh, round. Yeah, against Hoffenheim. That they won. Um, but that's, you know, to bring us to the match against Liverpool. 
We've got that game coming up Sunday, and if you're listening, I encourage you to come out uh, Sunday 11 a.m. to the Midtown Gastro Hub if you're here in Toronto, 1535 Young Street. That's where a we watch every single match, home of the T.Dot Gooners, the supporters club here in Toronto, and they're a great group of people and a great bunch of staff. So please join us on Sunday at 11 a.m. Now, as an aside, you bring up Liverpool. And it's very similar situation that we have when it comes to a transfer saga. Of course, we have the much-publicized Alexis Sanchez saga, and they themselves have their own with Felipe Coutinho. And it's a little bit interesting. I was, I was thinking about it, and it's always hard to compare because no situation is ever the same. However... They are both players who have been rumored to want away, and one has actually given in their transfer request, mm-hmm. yeah. and that is Felipe Coutinho. And I can't stress that enough, that Sanchez, no matter his demeanor, no matter his social media, no matter what, you can bring out whatever you want. He has not submitted a transfer request. And to me, that still gives a little bit of hope that we can retain him. Now you look at Liverpool with Coutinho, I don't see any way that he stays with them. What about you? Actually, uh, on that note, breaking news as of this moment in time, uh, there's some talk. This is from Matt Stanger, who writes for ESPN, saying that Coutinho might go and speak out over the Liverpool exit. Really? He's, he might want to talk to the press about his frustrations. Wow. So in a way, he feels like he's being held hostage at Liverpool, and that is absolutely not what they need going into a big game at the weekend. Well, let's hope that distraction... Please, let it be a distraction. Yes, let it let it mess with the players' heads. For crying out loud. It's great when you have your opponent with their talisman on a will-he-won't-he saga. I don't even think he's training with the team right now. So that, to me, rules him out automatically for the match against us. Mm-hmm. And I'll take that. Because you look at the attacking options that Liverpool have. Sure, they're not going to have Coutinho in the, in the middle. But a player like Sadio Mane gives me nightmares. So, oh, yeah. Like him bombing down on, on the on the right-hand side when uh, on our left-hand side where he's going to be attacking, we are looking lost. We are looking like we're trying to put a, a placeholder with Hector Bayer in there. Well, this is why, uh, well, you say Mane would be bombing down the right, which means that we have Kolasinac just play on that side. Yeah, well, if he's not playing as a center back, right? Because yeah. this past match against Stoke, we had Bayer in right now as the left wing back. So if we keep that formation, he yeah. would be attacking on Bayer's weak side. And of course, no offense to my Liverpool friends, because I do have a handful, that's that's for sure. But, I mean, we haven't won at Anfield since 2012. Podolski scoring his first. I think Santi Cazorla scoring a goal there as well. Yeah, and I just, who's going to good... go Who's gonna go to Anfield? Who is going to be in that dressing room and lift that team up? Fighter. Who's, and that's, that's, the key, that's the key word that when you were just mentioning that moment, that's the word that hit me in my head fighter alexis sanchez boom get in there i want him to walk into that dressing room oh yeah i would love that (laughs) but could you imagine how lifting it would be for the squad 
who are it's not that it's turmoil it's not crisis mode but it's kind of confusing times right oh, now absolutely there's a uh, a misplaced uh, starting 11 lacking balance and there's one thing that sanchez brings it's direction and once you know he's on your left hand side really doesn't matter who else is is playing there Game he's changer. going to he's going to work his butt off to to both be in the attacking side and working his his butt off to be uh, working on that defensive side as well so he is that X factor. He is that game changer. And I'm really, really happy to hear that he's being penciled in to start. Now, that 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 begs the question then, who is he going to be playing up top with? Are you going to start that like like up Zet. top? It has to right be. at the point. Giroud has a great scoring record at Anfield. He when does. I, when you think about it. All the more reason to bring him off the bench, yeah. man. Yeah, and that would be a really good thing to do. I think Matthew Debushi's only goal for Arsenal is at Anfield. That's besides the point, though, because he is what, what Why is not bring a him Matthew back? Debushi? Bring him back for Liverpool. Nah, boy. <laughs> but, I mean, that was, a, again, a brilliant thing from Arsene Wenger because uh, Hector Bellerin is the one that kept him out of the side. So I'm just wanting to see how we decide to manage ourselves. I And, and Lacazette, I think, should start just due to pace. Um, and, and that then finish against Stoke, even it was though it was screamer. offside, what, like, pure striking ability. Like, smooth as silk, man. Yeah, I think he's going to be such a great striker for us. And it'll be nice to have that highlight reel, Lacazette, X amount of goals for Absolutely. Arsenal 2017, 2018. And let it start at Liverpool, really. I think... Based on what we know, I think I think it would be a tough game because I don't really know who I'd start in the middle. I would actually start Kostelna just due to freshness and experience. I don't think Murdersacker will be able to handle the likes of Firmino. Um, I would rather see someone dynamic and, and have that leadership ability to, to really hold things down. Uh, Monreal, I think, is a great player when he's allowed to stay in that left-handed side. And on the right, I mean, who would you play beside... Kostelny. Mustafi, to me, and it's mm -hmm. no question. Mustafi, yeah. Uh, perhaps we'd have to go with a Rambo Shaka idea. What was the news with Ramsey? Uh, I don't know. Is there breaking news? I don't think so. I know he... Uh, yeah, he did play against Stoke, so he, he, was he there. should be... He played. He was in the middle with uh, with, yeah. with Shaka. And um, just to you know, briefly touch back on there... Uh, I thought Shaka had a pretty okay game, and I was really shocked when he was trend when he well, was he taken sent, off. Yeah, you subbed off, and he, if there's anyone who can get an assist, it's him. He had two With assists those, against uh, the Shaka Longballs trademark. Exactly, yeah. and Wenger brought on Walcott so he can cross the ball to Giroud. I heard that quote. Uh, what? And it was like, seriously, you're you're bringing on Walcott to cross? <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. Yeah, well, um, I would love to see Kolasinac actually playing in his position left wing back so who would you then say is in your starting lineup against liverpool well that's what i'm i'm already going with i'm saying kolasinac should play on that left hand side um as that wing back he's sort of bombing up and forth but he's almost playing like a winger um i don't know if that would be the correct position for him i still need to learn and study his play a little bit more but i think he's a great player to bomb forward i think we need to go and get goals liverpool's defense is shaky yes we should try to really hammer them down and they've got goals in them as well so yes we've got a leaky defense yeah so oh. <laughs> one plus one is two man. yeah exactly um on the other side i mean 
I guess, to be determined on the wing. I'd love to see Alexis Sanchez Mezzarozal up there with Lacazette. That would be brilliant. Imagine Sanchez so you would play kind of plays finally. Ozil on the right hand side of that. Of the attacking three. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have Lacazette just right up top there, and you have Ozil and Sanchez behind him. Interesting. And they can always switch. Oh, that is killer. That would be like, oh, if we win that game, it would be like finally. I would, I would be relieved to see us take that win, really. So, when talking about the match, then, what is your prediction on the final score? Uh, I hate these. I know. I'm usually That's not right. That's why I ask. <laughs> I don't know who's going to be more ready to go and win this game. I think that's what it comes down to. I think the the vibe and good feel is on the pitch because of Liverpool's success against Hoffenheim. But I think in terms of how things will roll, um, we have a lot more to prove, and Wenger is kind of... Uh, it's, it's he's already in a position where his back's against the wall, and yeah, we but knew Liverpool this was going to happen. Yeah, has played two more games than we have. That cannot be discounted. No, it can't be. But it's still early on in the season, and I think that's it's all about finding momentum. And I think that Liverpool have more momentum than we do. I think they have they're a little more solidified in how they want to shape up. We haven't seen Alexis Sanchez play for Arsenal since the FA Cup final. I mean, he can go out there and make a difference, but. I would like to think that he can do that without being a little bit warmed up first. Uh, he's a player that plays a lot, but I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if his he, first touch sometimes, or you know, he kind of loses the ball. I'm not trying to on be a, a regular pessimist. on a regular day. He loses the ball quite a lot. I know, but I'm. I, I don't this know. is I don't the guy that plays with like a, to a torn hamstring, man. So. Coming on cold, to me, is not a problem. Okay. I hope so. I really would like to think that's true as well. Patrick Sanchez. Oh, please. <laughs> uh, so anyways, to get to the point of the prediction, we're not going to have a clean sheet. Um, I would say 3-2. Uh, that's the number that was going in my head as well. Wow. I can see a 3-2, and I can see it being a more frenetic second half. Yeah. I can see the first half being a little tight, uh, maybe going in 1-1, and then later on in the second half, that's when the floodgates will open. Yeah. That's the type of feeling yeah. that I'm getting. I still want to see the work rate of of Welbeck, but he hasn't been able to finish if his life depended on it. His work rate is great. His finishing just yeah. atrocious. Just don't put him in those positions. Let Sanchez or Ozil be there. You know, we were talking about it when we were watching the match together. Um, there's this video, and I encourage everyone to go onto YouTube and, and look it up. There's this uh, cute little Labrador that is trying to catch food from its owner. And every time... Uh, the piece of item, the the food item was was thrown to this poor dog. He would miss it and miss it like just blatantly off the nose, off the side of the lip. And and Welbeck's performance kind of reminded me of that dog. Brilliant, Welbeck the bulldog. <laughs> the bulldog. No, he was a golden retriever. Could Pardon have been Adam or Humber. However, he did play like a bulldog. Uh, that one miss with his header that went off his, his shoulder. shoulder. Seriously, you've uh, misjudged a header so bad that it's going to ricochet off your shoulder. That was unfortunate. That's not fortunes. natural finishing. No. That's the complete opposite of what Lacazette is. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, Lacazette, I think he he he's waiting for a big game, and for him to walk through the tunnel at Anfield, I think, will give him the, the, the jitters. I think so, but he, that could be that make-or-break type of uh, feeling for a player 
early on in his Arsenal career, yeah. getting that, getting those jitters, and then rising to the yeah. occasion. Yeah. He's that type. I think he's that type of player that will rise to the occasion. He's been so consistent in Ligue 1 that, sure, it's the weaker league compared to the Premier League, but it's not easy. And he has been consistent for the past four or five years, and he's already scored one goal, uh, got that little monkey off his back, and I think he's primed for another pretty damn good performance. Yeah, I think Stoke was... You know, for the challenges of the result, I think for a new player like Kolasinac and uh, Lacazette, excellent time to, it's like, welcome to the Premier League. And I really liked how frustrated he was at being taken off. Yeah. Like, when he saw his number going up, he was like, you know, bleep yeah. this. And I want that. Yeah. I want that. A lot of people criticize Sanchez for that, but I want that in my player. I don't want someone who's happy to come off. Yeah. I don't want passengers. I want killers. And to me, both Sanchez and Lacazette have that killer mentality. And together, up front, with a weak defense like Liverpool has, that is a recipe for goals. Absolutely. And I think that's what it's going to come down to. I think... I think... We're going to be in for something intriguing because we have an interval after, and it's really bad to, well, go into a break with a loss under our belt. So, Double loss. How about that? Yeah, that would, that would be not a good way to start the league campaign. So I honestly think that really, really sums it up. Arsenal to go to Anfield with a big, big game. And it, it's, it's not going to shape the rest of our season, but I think with... With what's to come in the last week of the transfer window, it, it might be something fairly influential. We're going to see a lot of players. Next time you and I talk, we're going to see, uh, you know, not the same numbers available on the online shop. Well, one could argue that we'll have the exact same numbers. <laughs> well, exactly. <laughs> turn uh, out the way they go. Actually, yeah. on a final note, I've been reading Ian Wright's book, his autobiography, and uh, there's an interesting part in uh, one of the early chapters called The Quiet Revolution, and he talks about what it's like or what it was like when Arsene Wenger came to Arsenal. But before that, he speaks about George Graham and the Bruce Rioch and what it was like to be under those kind of very militant style, especially Bruce Rioch. I barely know anything about the guy. He was just at Arsenal for one season, and the way he was, it was a very brutish kind of manager, but there was a culture at Arsenal, and he seems to really credit David Dean for that sort of thing. And he speaks about this very funny story about what it was like when Arsenal went to Blackburn. It was Arsene Wenger's first match in charge and what it was like when he came in at halftime and there was just silence. No one wow. spoke at all. Uh, while the, the players were talking amongst themselves, Arsene Wenger went in there and didn't say anything. Um, but Pat Rice actually went in there and started giving all the players an earful and Arsene Wenger said, you won't yell at my players. Really? Yes. And he stopped, and, that, and all, the, all the players were expecting that because that's what happened at halftime. Yeah. And then Arsene Wenger gave a few minutes of a speech, said, okay, go out there. The quiet revolution. Exactly. Wow. And um, this is the one thing I wanted to just read a little excerpt from this. And he was talking about how Arsene Wenger treats his players. And he says, treating his players like adults was really what was at the heart of what came to be called the Wenger Revolution. That was why, very early on, he stopped Pat Rice shouting at us. When I look back at it, it wasn't rocket science, treating adults well like adults, um, but this was definitely my first experience of it. 
It's why he likes young players and to bring his own players through because they grow up in their professional lives knowing they have to approach the game with intelligence and a sense of responsibility. Responsibility for their own mistakes as well as their successes. He wanted us to be part... He wanted us to be able to sort things out in a game without waiting for instructions. And I think we have seen exactly why that has been a problem in modern-day Arsenal. Yeah, it's been a common theme from yes. every single iteration of Wenger's teams. Yeah, I mean, they the the players having the talent to do what they want wanted to do, the freedom of it, not being restricted, is something that worked well in that era. But I think we have seen Arsenal not have the instruction or execute those instructions the way that uh, perhaps... I don't know, someone envisioned whatever Arsenal was trying to do. Well, I, I think, matches. you know, you've got the, you hit the nail on the head when it came to the execution of it all. But I also think it's a lack of accountability. And I don't care how young you are. That doesn't mean that you can go through life not being accountable for things. And sure, I understand that a young player is going to make mistakes, but where is the accountability on that? Where is the, um, okay, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, you know, shame on me type of mentality? And that goes into what we were discussing last episode, which was quite the marathon episode. And I just have to do a little plug. For those who have missed it, please, 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 I encourage you, listen to episode 22. We had... Roderick Mark, former Arsenal Academy player and co-founder of the T-Doc Gooners, uh, go into a very in-depth conversation on the philosophy of football and his time with Arsenal and his time with the aforementioned Pat Rice, who was his manager at the time. So to think about how the youth of Arsenal are are able to uh, essentially work and not get that harsh treatment it is not surprising why we haven't had so many youth players come through the the ranks recently uh just earlier today i believe it was announced that um cohen brammel and carl jenkinson are being loaned out to Birmingham city and you look at jenko He's on one year left on his deal. So that pretty much says this is his swan song. He's going to play with Birmingham for that one year and then leave on a free. And then Cohen Brammel, who Lord knows why we signed him, um, maybe just for the headlines, the cynical part of me must uh, must say. But um, you look at other players like Chuba Akpom. Chuba's getting linked with Celtic. Uh, you look at some of the other guys that are coming through. The only bright star we have is Reese Nelson. And just last year, two years ago, we were all going crazy about the Jeff and uh, a bit of a coup that it was of getting such a young, talented player of his caliber with the team. So what John Terrell. John, John Terrell also. He signed for Hull. He signed for Hull. He chose to be at Hull. And like, if Arsenal feel like these players aren't good enough, I mean... It's been tough to see someone really come out of the academy. I mean, you know, it's funny. What's a player we've barely even heard from recently? Francis Coquelin. Yep, and also Awobi. Those are the the last two senior players that have really come through uh, London Colney and have featured at Ashburn Grove. 
So it begs the question, is it a a lack of finishing touch that not only Wenger but the coaching staff have, or is it just a misplaced belief in some of these youth players? Uh, that's a million-dollar question, and I just think that Wenger knows them better than we do. He, The way he yep. sees things on a day-to-day basis, I think it really stems away from just what is necessary to get the results in football, and that is what, what Arsenal are. Arsenal are a lifestyle, I yeah, think. more than just the result, and that you put it so perfectly, succinctly there. It's, it's, it's as long as you are that modern professional that you abide by the quote-unquote Arsenal way, that you will be given time and time and time again these chances where a player who is more talented but yet less refined would not be given those chances. A lot of people were, were screaming out when Joel Campbell was not being given his opportunities. Now he's back with the club, and who knows how long he'll be out with his injury, but I really don't see him featuring for us. I mean, it's a bizarre way to be at the final stages We've of this one. We've had a you know? lot of bizarre transfer. And, like, the history, the past two, three years, we've brought in players, youth players, and they've gone nowhere. We've stagnated when it came to our youth squad. And gone are the days where we are poaching these sesquifabulous uh, players from Barca's, where we are taking these guys who are 16, 17, not getting the opportunity at their uh, parent club, and then we give them an opportunity to showcase themselves. Maybe that's good because we aren't developing these players and having them leave afterwards. Uh, you know, Wenger just talked about uh, how he who was feeling with Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain and how he feels that there's a responsibility for the player after the time and investment that the club has shown them. And breaking news, according to The Telegraph, is that we have offered Chambel 180 k per week. That's to crazy. 180 Wow. That is insanity. I just Which think, would make him our highest paid player. What? How has he shown that value? All right, I don't know what to say to that, because that just kind of uh, jitters my news, jangles. That's breaking news, man, breaking news. That my jangles yeah. a little bit. Um, the, there's a lot in the air in terms of where the Especially future of the Chelsea, club is going. You with know, Chelsea, Chelsea sniffing also. around. You know, would you rather see Chambo stay for 180 a week or would you rather see him go to Chelsea, right? Um, I think we need to start getting into a mode where these players, I guess, I guess, earn their wages. Obviously, it's amazing how much football has changed in the last 20 years. It's insane. And I've been kind of doing this research and trying to understand, like, what does it mean that football has changed? And I have to thank Ian Wright. Uh, this is almost I'm dedicating this this part of the show or the show to him, really, because show, seeing what it's like inside the dressing room of what Arsenal were, and there was obviously a stature there beforehand, uh, but what Arsene Wenger brought to the club and what he... What he created was something that changed Arsenal forever. But the saddest thing about it is not being able to progress to continue on that sort of thing. And it's not that he didn't do it. It's just the potential was always not fulfilled in the latter stages. And that's what's so sad to 
experience as a supporter of the club of the club and it's way beyond wanting to see success it's just the manner of defeat that's what makes it hard for me and I just want to see Arsenal move away from that sort of thing, which is why, as I mentioned earlier, it's better for us to be in the Europa League right now. I think that's a responsible approach. Aside from the money, obviously that partially affects us, uh, and we are lucky to be in the position and to have the arguments that we have about the, the situation we're in. But Arsenal need to kind of instill this um, unique element of, of I guess identity again it's not that the identity is totally lost but it's it needs to be rediscovered i agree and it's 100 percent up to the players to show the belief in them is valid gone are the days where we have this talented youth group now we've got a, a starting 11 of veterans of people who aren't really fulfilling their potential, cough, cough, Mesut Ozil, and there are questions whether he is actually fully committed to the cause. Uh, he's one of the the big three uh, potential Bozemans that we got uh, with Sanchez and, and Chambo. We've already spoken at length about Sanchez and Chambo, but if you could give me a little, uh, a brief idea of how you feel the Ozil situation has been handled and is unfolding? I can't, uh, because I think that's a question better asked in a few months from now. Uh, up until this point, though, I just think I appreciate that it's been scuffled under the carpet. I think if Arsenal had the Sanchez bit and the Ozil bit to deal with and the Chambo bit to deal with all at the same time, it just would have been too much to, to kind of handle. I think Ozil has been a professional about the whole thing because he also, unlike Coutinho, who's whatever is rambling on there, not to compare, but he hasn't been insanely vocal and I just think he's been used as a scapegoat. I still kind of hold to that sort of understanding um, of just of the type of player he is having seen him play though, um, how he makes a difference when the ball comes to him. That's when he makes a difference. Um, but could it also be that there aren't any real clubs looking for him? Or looking to sign him? Maybe. I mean, he statistically is has a great stat record, He's right? He's statistically but great, but what I'm kind of trying inferring is that uh, they know that a player of his caliber is coming off the books. So are the PSGs of the world, the uh, Juventuses of the world, the Bayerns of the world, are they going to look to make a bid for Mesut Ozil, who is clearly a talent that could be playing on all three of those teams? This is true. Are they willing to pony up any bid whatsoever because they know that, oh, hey, we can just wait? We've heard these rumors with Sanchez that there are bids out there. We've got Man City rumored. No. We've got Man PSG. City are out. Uh, hopefully. <laughs> I'm, uh, of course, my bias is showing, but I am hoping that they are out. And I, I read latest reports saying that uh, Pep didn't want to pony up the actual amount that it would cost, which to me is over $100 million yeah. for those those guys in sky blue. Um, however, I digress. I've been really disappointed with, uh, A, uh, the performance of Ozil, but also the, the criticism. Because I think he's an easy scapegoat. His 
quote-unquote languid style that a lot of people have criticized him for can come off the wrong way. I just think he's such an intelligent player that he puts himself in those areas of the pitch where he doesn't really need to sprint because mentally he's already there. He's already thinking of the next move. Yeah. He's not reacting. He's acting. So uh, I, I, I hope it's a good thing that we keep that we keep a player like Mezit. He is a world-class talent, despite what many people would say. I still think he has a long future with this club. And I really, really hope that we come to some sort of agreement. In a perfect world, I would say, okay, how about we come to a two-year deal with Mezit and Alexis. They sign on as long as Wenger's left with the club and then they can go mosey on if they wish. As I said, I think it comes down to the manner of defeat, and that is why people get upset. If Arsenal played their heart out and lost 1-0 at Stoke due to some stupid moment, I mean, in a way, you can almost say that that's what happened, right? Because there were a lot of efforts at the end of the game, and we saw the swing go in our motion, but I think it's the manner of defeat, which is why people get so worked up, and they use Mesut and say he didn't try hard enough, he didn't play hard enough. And uh, that really is the sum of it. I think Oza will sign a new deal, but it won't come until later. And it's unfortunate that that's the situation we're in. But if the, if he signs a new deal, it will come down to commercial reasons. I think Ozil is still a very marketable player, as is Sanchez. But I think that's how they'll do it. And if Mesut Ozil leaves next summer, it'll be under the contract. It'll be a really bizarre situation to be in. But I think that's the manner in which he will leave the club. I think just on business terms. Yeah, and I can see that he's an Adidas-type player, so I could see him being uh, really pushed by Adidas to going to a an Adidas-sponsored club. Which is what we will... We could be! You never know yeah. if, if those rumors come true. Uh, how, how about that? A uh, perfect synergistic world. We ditched the Puma deal, we signed back with Adidas, and one of the major signings of the Adidas era is a renewal for Mesut Ozil. Sure, I I uh, I can romanticize about that and fantasize all I like, but we won't know until it happens. And what is happening for sure is that we're facing off against Liverpool, eleven o'clock a.m. Eastern Standard Time on Sportsnet Worlds, no That's less. That's tough. That's a tough one. That is tough because. I think they're trying to push that channel on a lot of people. And historically, Arsenal has always been on one of the easiest accessed uh, stations, Sportsnet Ontario, here in Ontario. We are based in Toronto after all, everyone. And I think this is a bit of a money grab, to be honest. Like, a little a little diatribe, not diatribe, but a little, yeah, a bit of a diatribe here. Uh, I think they're putting this match on to get those subscribers going. Because in years past, this was a primetime fixture, primetime Canadian time, breakfast time, that is fully featured on across all major platforms. So I really see this as a business play. That's just my opinion. That's an interesting approach. Uh, you could be right. I would not discredit you at all if, uh, if that exactly were the case. Well, we know what's at stake. We know what's to come in the last week. We're going to have an interesting show next week. I mean, Liverpool, Europa transfers, so I recommend you tune in, of course, next week. If you want to find us, you can find us on Twitter at we underscore the Arsenal and, of course, on Instagram and Facebook and all that jazz. If you have any questions, 
uh, please don't hesitate to give us a shout. I think that's one part that we missed so far. Uh, and I think Johnny's taking a quick gander if there's anything to really cover. I don't think there's uh, anything much for this week. We really didn't look for many questions. And I do apologize to the uh, We The Arsenal listening group. We will be sourcing more questions for the next episode. We are looking to record next week, uh, most likely Thursday. So watch out for a post looking for your inquiries. We were trying to keep it tight and concise today, which never really works now, does it, Adam? Indeed. Well, that's okay. There's a lot to talk about always when it comes to the Arsenal, and that's a blessing in itself. So, well, stay strong, you Gunners. Come on, make that magic happen. Give us some magic, Anfield. Give us some memories. Yeah, I wouldn't mind a little uh, four-goal performance from one of our boys, eh? Yeah, that would be quite something. Exactly. How about a Julio Baptista or Andre Arshavin moment? We, uh, well, we will all know by Sunday afternoon. And well, on that note, this is Adam Esker signing out. And this is Johnny F saying, come on, you gunners. Bye for now. Bye.